This is episode number 488 with John Gray. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. have a powerful leader in the School of Greatness headquarters today. His name is John Gray, and he is a pastor, singer, and comedian who was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's right. You guys know I'm from Ohio, so this is going to be a fun one for me. He is also the son of two musically gifted parents, and he currently serves as an associate pastor at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, under Joel Olstein. And John is also the face of the Oprah Winfrey Network's new show, The Book of John Gray, which is a docu-series hybrid about his life and family while helping others with and through significant issues in very unconventional ways. And he's also got a new book out called I Am Number Eight. And I heard him speak at Oprah's Super Soul Sessions recently and literally was blown away by who he is as a person how he performs and speaks on stage, and how he captivates through his message. One of probably the top five speakers I've ever seen in my life, hands down, it was unbelievable to witness. And I said, I got to have this guy on. I got to learn more about his story. I got to learn how he got to where he's at, how he's built this massive impact through this huge audience, and just more about him. And wow, am I blown away by the stories that he's about to share with you through the challenges he's been through and all of the things that he's learned along the way. We talk about why drawing a crowd doesn't mean you have a committed core. Also, why you can't preach a sermon that you haven't lived. And for those listening, you can't really teach something you haven't lived either. The person you have to like the most in order to be successful in life, what loving yourself has to do with loving others, And how the things you don't have define who you actually are. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Today. 
But before we begin, I want to give a quick shout out to the review of the week over on iTunes. This is from Base Ben, who says, such a deep and powerful discussion. This completely hit the spot and for me, cleared some things up. I really didn't want to like your podcast because I listened to so many good ones and I didn't want to add more. However, I can't help it. I can see a huge benefit in listening. Thank you so, so much. Base Ben, I know there's tons of options out there, but that means the world to me. So thank you for being the iTunes review of the week. And if you guys want to leave a review for how the show has impacted your life in any way, then go to iTunes.com slash greatness and leave a review right now. And without further ado, guys, let's dive in with the one, the only John Gray. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got John Gray in the house. Good to see you, my man. What's going on, my man? It's uh, L Boogie. I'm, I'm L Boogie in the I'm house. Feeling good, John Gray. Yeah. Uh, now, I I never heard about you until about a month ago. Okay. And I went to Super Soul Sessions, and I almost left after lunch. You know, everyone's hanging out at lunch, and Oprah's walking around, and everyone else back there walking around. Right, which is so crazy that Oprah yes. Winfrey's just walking around, just hanging out with everyone. Lunch. And I was just like, should I go say hi to her? Nah. I'll be good, you know. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait for the moment. And um, and I was going to leave because I had some other commitment I needed to go to. But I was like, you know what? Let me just check out this guy for like five minutes because you were, the ne- I think, the next speaker. Yeah. Right after lunch. And, um, man, I, I needed to leave like right then after five minutes, but I couldn't leave because you were so captivating. You were so um, fascinating in your ability to teach and inspire and land a principle, but also entertain and make us laugh and Man. dancing, singing. You were like <laughs> bridging the gap and doing the whole thing. And I was just, I was even more happy to know that you're from Ohio. That's it. Because I love having people out Come here. Come on, man. Born and raised. That's Cincinnati. It. That's it. Yeah. So about an hour and a half away from me in, in uh, Columbus, where I live for, for most of the time. But mm-hmm. uh, I would drive a truck when I was chasing my dream to play professional football. I had a part time job. Uh, where I would drive a truck from Columbus to Cincinnati and back every single day. I-71. That's it, man. It was the most boring ride. Dude. Yeah, except when you get to Kings Island. Yeah. You can see Kings Island <laughs> off to the uh, left-hand right? side coming, you excited. coming south. Yeah. Ah, roller coaster, yeah. Right. Um, but uh, I'm so glad you're here. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy right now. You it's gotta, my honor, man. You what got, you're doing is yeah. just phenomenal, Thanks, and I'm grateful man. to be invited. Yeah. We have a lot of mutual friends. Devon Franklin was talking about you last week when I was connecting with him. And I so hope he said something good. He said some great things about you. I man. say something nice about him, but he's always in shape, and he's always challenging me to get in shape, and I'm sick of it. All right. You know, because he's got like an eight-pack, and I got a keg. He's, so. shredded. he's shredded. Yeah, you are, too. You got cowbells in here. You know. And so I'm trying to work out. I'm already sore. I, I lifted the thing four times. I feel like I, <laughs> I pulled my ulnar miscus meniscus <laughs> deltoid. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think your your story is fascinating, man. You are a you're you're a preacher, a pastor in, in Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. under, under Joel Steen, right? Mm-hmm. Who I think you said is like the nicest guy. He genuinely is like the nicest person. Yes. and it, it's creepy because he's so disciplined and he's so it's kind amazing. to everyone. And I'm like, does he ever have one of those days? And if he does, I've never seen it. It must be at home when he's just like, let's lose. Yeah, he just throws stuff like, Victoria, I said, (laughs) I don't want water. You know, exactly. (laughs) But he's a great guy. That's it. When you have that much discipline in your daily habits and your routines and how you show up to the world and how Mm -hmm. you treat other people, good things are going to happen to you. Absolutely. And I think the word that you said was the key is discipline. I know that he has a strict routine on. You know, his study time, his exercise, and mm-hmm. all of the things. And he keeps his circle very close and very small. And I think as you 
as I've learned, as God's opened up more doors, um, you know, the higher you go, your inner circle has to kind of remain small. And Didn't he, Obama say that, like no new friends when he got in the office? Listen, right? I, I agree with uh, our former president in that. I look at the life of, of Jesus when he was getting ready to uh, – It was there's a story called the Mount of Transfiguration, and he goes up, and he leaves most of the disciples at the base of the mountain, and he takes Peter, James, and John. And he always had Peter, James, oh. and John at these key moments, which means sometimes even the people that you roll with, everybody in the crew can't go. And so I'm learning that as mm-hmm. I've matured, there are certain things that, you know, everybody's just not to be privy to. And so the – I guess the discipline is learning who can go where mm-hmm. and, and at what moments in my life. Yeah, or maybe you just don't have the energy to have a thousand people with you at the, you know all the time. It's like you can only handle That's three it. to five. You know? Exactly. Like- <laughs> yeah, I don't have limitless energy. I've got I've to figure out who matters. And right now I'm learning that. Right now my wife, mm-hmm. my kids, I got a five-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. You know, and I've got all these invitations coming in. My wife was like, you can't take that. I was like, That's huge. She said, your daughter has a dance recital. And I was like, wow, so do I take this opportunity for people who don't know me to meet me or do I take this 35 minutes and invest into my daughter? Yeah. And so now I realize that she wouldn't necessarily, she won't remember that I was there, but she would remember if I wasn't. Mm, that's tough. And so, that's you tough, know, right? every no, every yes to someone else is a no to my kids and my wife. So I'm learning that they now have to become my mm-hmm. focal point. Yeah. And how I focus my energy. What made you want to become, uh, you know, a pastor? Because you were you went to Worcester. Yeah, you played football there. No, I played lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I played lunch and gym. Uh, yeah. I went there for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, I did not want to be a pastor. That was not on my list of things to do. I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, I wanted to be a singer. I loved Luther Vandross growing up singing R&B. I grew up singing in church and I wanted to be a singer. Yeah. And I, mean, I heard you sing Whitney Houston. It was pretty yo, amazing. Spot I hit on. the note. I had amazing. a light head when I got finished. I was like, I just hit the note. That was good. <laughs> would have been horrible if I had cracked. But, um, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a singer. But at 13, my, I knew that my life's calling was ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. But there was something that happened to me in a small Baptist church in Cincinnati. I was at a revival. I think it was a Tuesday night. And while I'm sitting in the audience, I was impressed in my spirit. I felt like God said, I'm calling you into ministry. I was so depressed. And it was like, no, because a lot of the preachers that I saw, you know, seemed to live these, you know, insular, singular, very monotonous lives. And I didn't want that. I felt like my personality was was developing in a different way. And I didn't want to become one thing in front of people and be somebody else off off the platform. And that's something else that I had seen through the years that you can preach a thing and not actually live that thing. And, and that's not being judgmental. It's just something that I observed. And I remember having an honest conversation with God. And I said, God, I don't want to be like any of those people. He said, that's why I called you, because I want you to be authentically you. I said, well, I'm going to tell the truth and I'm going to tell them where I messed up and I'm going to tell them where I failed. I'm going to tell them my scars. He was like, great, because that's what we need. Uh, I think for too long in certain areas of religious thought, we have put this idea of piety as perfection. I don't I don't need Jesus in my life because I got it together. I'm broken. <laughs> and and so this idea of, you know, me on this high pulpit and people down here, I, I dismantle that. I'm like, it's 
this is a conversation between two people who are searching for something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And over the, over the years, I've been able to develop, I believe, an ability to communicate across borders because people invariably have discernment for authentic hearts. Even if there are personality differences, they can spot a pure heart and a pure motive. Nobody likes to be manipulated. And for a long time, certain people in religious thought have used manipulation and fear as tactics and tools to try to indoctrinate. And I don't fit that model. I defy, I don't like it. I'm sick of it. I think people need to be able to make whatever choice they choose to make on how they want to, divine, to define uh, their path to truth to something bigger than themselves or nothing bigger than themselves. But if the conversation comes up, don't let it be out of manipulation and fear. Let it be from an authentic place uh, and be filled with grace and humility. Stop beating people up. We already know we're broken. I don't need you to remind me. I need you to tell me that there's some hope, that, that I'm loved, that I have value. And I think those are the, the foundational tenets of, of uh, kind of where, where I want to, how I want to be defined as a preacher. Now, now, educate me and the audience. As a preacher, what are the responsibilities? You have a church that you show up to once a week, multiple yeah. times. Like, what are the actual responsibilities? So, I, I'm, I'm an associate pastor at Lakewood, and my primary responsibility is our midweek service. So, it's Wednesday night, and we have weekend services. So, we have three, you know, big weekend services, Saturday night to Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And then we have a midweek, which is Wednesday. And my primary responsibility has been building our midweek for the past four years. And so we have our music, we have our prayer, um, and then I'll share whatever the Lord has put on my heart. And it's grown, man, from, you know, maybe 2,500 to probably eight or 9,000. Wow. On a, on a Wednesday. And I think that's That's big. Yeah, man. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, one hour, one hour. Yeah, it's white church. It's not in a black church. If it was black church, we'd be in there for about four hours. There's no start, no yeah, stop. Like, Let's take a lunch break uh, for about 30 minutes, get some fried chicken downstairs. And, and I love that tradition. I'm not, you sure. know, that's kind of a part of where I came from. But, you know, I love the fact that for an hour and 15 minutes, people can come in and just get their batteries recharged, yeah. get some hope, know that they're loved by God, that they're not being beaten up. And they're going to get something that resonates. Mm-hmm. You can't force people no. to, especially now. This this whole millennial generation, and even Gen Xers, they're not on manipulation. If if it's not real, they're not coming. Mm-hmm. They're not religious in their expression, so they're not going to show up if they don't connect to it. Yeah. And so for people to make a decision to interrupt their regular routine, that means something to me. Yeah. I take that as a high responsibility, you know? Wow. How many people show up on the weekend then, like a normal Sunday service? Oh, man. I I think the weekend services probably see maybe 30,000, 40,000, somewhere in there. Each session? Oh, no, no. Like overall. Got it. Because it seats 16,000 in there. So you're putting half the house in a midweek. Yeah. Wow. And then a normal session will be like almost 15. I would say 10, 12,000, somewhere in there. Somewhere. Not that much more. No, not that much. Oh, no, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still crazy when you Jolly think about it. On, yeah. Right, because yeah. I grew up with like 300 people. Like, wow, this place is packed. Right, right. You know? It's crazy. But, is you that know, the biggest you, church in? It's the biggest single built, single size or single building church in America. Really? Mm-hmm. Seat 16,000 plus. Wow. Used to be where the Houston Rockets played. 
How do you just Crazy. take a building that the Rockets used to play in and turn it into? I'm going to turn this into a church. We need some stained glass over here. <laughs> and Joel did this. Is that right or not? Yeah, he and his family were the spirit. They spearheaded that transition. And it's a testimony to his, I believe, not only his integrity, but his love for people. What's the, what's the biggest um, challenge you would say that some of these bigger churches have? And what people, would, you know, either members or mem- people that were members maybe don't appreciate about some of the things they do. Because mm. I'm out of this world, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting question. I think some of the biggest challenges are rooted in what I believe individual leaders finding so much of their identity in, the, in what they do as far as the church that they don't know how to separate their calling from their ego. Yeah, because when they and, have all these people constantly coming to them. and Yeah, and, and all of a sudden you want people to worship you instead of God. Ooh. And I think for me, what I've been able to do is maintain the very healthy and necessary distance between my incredible normalcy and the incredible divinity that I believe in. And, and so for me, I'd have, I never want people to come to me. People are always like, you should open your own church. I'm like, for what? We got enough churches. We don't need another church. We just need truth and we need people with the right heart. And I think there are times when some leaders have been insecure and because they identify success with numbers, they'll do anything to get a crowd. But a crowd doesn't mean you have a committed core. Um, You can draw a crowd, you know, with prizes and things. But if you want something that's healthy and organic, then let it grow naturally and be authentically who you are. And I think that uh, what people have uh, tasted has not always been authentic. Mm. And so people aren't really for that anymore. It's just like, I don't don't need that. You know, I can get the God in my house. I can pray on my own or I can watch Super Soul Sunday or, you know, I can or I can just be quiet and meditate you know, what's what's the draw? And so it's become almost like, especially Western, westernized Christian Christian thought in some areas. Again, I don't want to draw a big yeah, of course. paint with a broad brush, but in some areas it's become entertainment driven to the point that there's a very little distinction between that and, you know, any of the other entertainment products that we have. And I'm all for cutting edge technology, lights, music, sound. But if you don't have humility... And if you don't have a heart for people, it will not last. And so serve God, serve people, uh, live quietly, and, and don't, don't judge. Mm. That's, That's the, the biggest thing, I think. Oh, absolutely. People don't like the religious element or church of the judgment, right? Absolutely. This idea of judgment comes from, you know, an individual's perspective. I think one of the biggest challenges the church has in certain areas is that certain segments of the church have answered questions nobody was asking. Mm. I don't get to come into your life and tell you, hey, Lewis, don't you drink that water. That water is wrong. How dare you drink that sin water. That water is sin. Hey, guess what? I didn't even introduce myself to you. Guess what? We don't have a relationship. (laughs) Guess what? You're already offended because I came into your life without knowing your background or why you're drinking that water and told you it was wrong based on my perspective. I don't get to do that. And what I've seen is that people are pointing this way instead of looking this way and saying, hey, Lewis, you know what? I don't drink this water. 
You know why? Because in my experience, I've found that this water is not beneficial to me because of X, Y, and Z. Now what I did is I showed you my process. I didn't judge you for yours. And that's the problem with uh, places that don't want to build bridges. They kind of want to build their, their own little island. Mm-hmm. And this is, these are my people, and this is how I think. And that's not, that's not who I saw Jesus being in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't get a... Sometimes I don't have friends on the conservative, you know, spectrum of Christian <laughs> thought because I paint uh, a bridge big enough for everybody to get over because I know who I am and I know my weak areas and I know my broken places and I saw my family and I saw addiction and I saw what drugs did to family members and I saw mental illness and I saw brokenness and single mothers and aunts raising kids without the husband there and I saw you know, some of the levels of depravity that can happen when you don't have an anchor in faith. And so I'm not going to let people beat up people who are walking through real life and you don't know their story. And so I'm very, very defensive of Mm -hmm. people who attempt to try to define for others what truth is. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge you're facing in your life right now? Biggest, Biggest obstacles. Oh, You've got it. You got a, you know, your pastor at the biggest church in the country. You've got a, a book out right now, which is mm-hmm. called what's it called? I am, I am number eight. I am number eight. You've got a, a hit show on on the own network with Oprah. You're on Super Soul Sunday, Super Soul Sessions. You've got all these things that are working for you. What's not working for you? Boy, that's good. Um, I think I struggle with daddy issues. And what does that mean for you? My mom and dad divorced when I was very young and my father was not a strong part of my development. I saw him four times before I died. I can almost tell you every single word he's ever said to me in my life. Wow. I remember him holding my hand as we walked across the street. I remember the five dollars he gave me on the steps of St. John AME Church uh, before the funeral for his uncle. I remember him telling me that the divorce and what happened between him and my mom was his fault. Uh, I remember him calling me drunk from bars in New York, telling me he loved me, calling me collect. I remember the last time I spoke to him, I was heading down Route 1 South in New Jersey to my one-bedroom apartment. It was my first uh, job in church as a youth pastor. My father was talking to me on the phone, and he was kind of incoherent. I didn't know if it was due to medicine or if he had been drinking or both. Uh, but it was raining, and I remember him saying, son, it, do you, are you driving with your cell phone? This was back in 2000. And uh, I said, yeah, Dad, I'm, I'm, I got my phone in my hand. And he said, call me back when you get home. Don't don't drive with your phone in your hand. I love you. And I said, I love you, too. He was real dramatic. His voice was always like Charlton Heston, <laughs> top of the mountain. <laughs> I don't know where he got that from. But uh, I remember hanging up the phone. I didn't call him back. Uh, I guess a week later or less, my mother called me and said, uh, your father's in terrible trouble. He's in a coma Mm. uh, in New York. I lived in Jersey at the time. And so I took the train over. I I drove over to see him. And, you know, he never woke up from that coma. Mm. And I think that was probably around October. And I happened to have meetings in New York on December 7th of 2000. And after the meeting I had, God said, go see your dad. And so I couldn't get a cab. Nobody would pick me up. And I'm walking to East 23rd and 1st Street in Manhattan. 
get to the veterans hospital, I go up and I see this man who I come from. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Whose name I carry, John Gray Jr., John Gray III. And I realized that this is everything in my life in front of me. What I do with this moment was going to determine what happened with the rest of my life. Mm. The Bible says, honor your father and mother, which is the first command with the promise that it would go well. Didn't say honor your father if he honored you or if he raised you or if he was there for you. It says honor. And so in that moment, uh, I called his mother, my grandmother, who was still alive then. I said, Grandma, I'm here with dad and he doesn't look good. If there's anything you want to say to him, you need to say it now. And I put the phone to mm. his ear, let them talk. And I told her I'd call her back. I grabbed his hand and I told him, I love you and I'm going to make your name good in the earth. I said, I'm not mad anymore. I forgive you for not being there, for walking away from me and mom. And I'm so glad to have your name and that you told my mom to name me after you. Mm. And I sang some hymns. Uh, over his bed, some church hymns, just, you know, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And as I'm singing, the nurses are gathering outside the room. They're listening to me. Doctors have stopped. 
I'm just pouring out 27 years mm. of pain and love and forgiveness in one mm, moment. My goodness. And when I left, I hugged him and I said, I know I won't see you again on this side. I prayed with him and I said, they tell me you can hear me. So if you can hear me, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And I was like, pray with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save me. Just real something real short. But I remember saying that with him. And I don't know if he heard me. I don't know any of that. I just knew I had to do it for me. Mm. I needed to heal because I couldn't be held hostage to the pain of a father that wasn't there. And when I left that moment, I, I said goodbye, got on a train, went back to Jersey. When I got to the New Brunswick train station, my phone rang. My mom said, your dad passed. Mm. He stayed alive long enough for me to get it right. I believe God kept him alive. The reason why I say my biggest challenge is daddy issues is because here I am at 43 years old and there's a father-sized hole in my heart that longs for him to be here to say, I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. uh, for him to still give me guidance. Man, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to raising kids. I don't know how to be a husband. Yeah. I didn't see any of that growing up. I don't know how to react and respond every time my wife you know, has an issue and she's more emotional about things than I am. There's some real cold areas in here that I've identified. I can become very emotionless and very closed off. And that's not the way to build a healthy family life. These are the things people don't see. I don't preach for people. I preach for me. Mm. I'm preaching because I need to know that there's something and someone bigger than me. When I'm talking about Jesus, I'm not trying to force anybody to see life through my lens. I'm trying to see, I'm trying to let them see how I'm surviving. And so even though he's not here and it hasn't been here for 17 years, mm. I still yearn for the approval of a father. And so it drives me. Mm. I want to do well. I want to do right. And, and when I don't, I beat myself up. Yeah. You know, every sermon, I don't even want to hear it again. Once I preach it, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it because I've already nitpicked what I could have done differently. Did I, did I, did I accurately represent the scripture? Right. Was Jesus seen because too many, that's the biggest thing for me. I don't think Jesus has been seen whether people choose to believe him as savior, which that's my personal thing, mm -hmm. but who he was as a man is someone worthy of our, our review. He loved broken people. He served poor people. He treated everybody equally. And he fought for those who couldn't fight for themselves. Those are lessons that can go across every corporation, mm -hmm. every civic organization, every nonprofit. And so this is, for me, uh, the big challenge in my life, mm -hmm. living a life feeling like an orphan. And now the very thing I need is the thing I am. I need a dad, but now I'm a dad. Mm. I needed to see a good husband, but now I'm a husband. So I'm scrambling trying to figure out how to put these pieces together. And I guess maybe all of that on the inside of me is why people hang around or want to hear what I have to say, because I don't hide that. I don't think I've gone in as much detail as I have with you, yeah. but that's your gift because you're so kind and so open. You allow uh, for moments like this, real transparency. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised I've been able to hold my tears. I probably I'm about two minutes away <laughs> from the waterworks. I've been I've been holding them back myself because we are more connected than you think. About 12 years ago, my dad was in a coma for three months, got in a really bad car accident, 
and it was my last year of uh of college and it was during my football season and he never missed a game ever since high school like he would travel i was in private school when i was uh in eighth grade i went to a boarding school in st louis missouri and he would fly midweek drive out from columbus to st louis wow. seven hour drive every week basketball football track didn't matter and when he got in his accident when i was 22 and I had to play the rest of the season with him in a coma. And then he, he woke up Thanksgiving Day, which was wow. powerful. He was in New Zealand during the time. So I didn't get to see him at all for like three months until he came back after he woke up. It's been a challenging decade, 12 years now, of him being alive but him not being my father. He doesn't have the mental capacity to really understand. He has amnesia, so he forgets. So I don't have the relationship of a father anymore. And I, you know, I only see him a couple of times a year and it's, there's just, it's not that connection or that, um, the mentorship or that it's like, I have to kind of teach him and, you know, I had to take care of him, my, my siblings and I, wow. did, you know, change his diaper when he got out and like teach him how to walk and talk and read and write and all those <sighs> things. So for me, it was, uh, you know, it's similar that he's not here, but he's alive, but he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't really know what I'm doing. And so it's tough to be, like, so driven and not have that approval as well. Man. Or to have him be like, you're doing a great job or, you know. I just wanted him to tell me that one time. I didn't play football. I played soccer, if you can believe it, many pounds ago. <laughs> and I would look up in the stands in high school. Mm -hmm. He was never there. I knew he wouldn't be there, but I looked anyway. He told me he was going to get me a car when I turned 16. He told me he was going to come pick me up. I'd look out the window. Mm. I knew he wasn't even in the city. But there's something in the heart of a child that wants to connect mm. to your origin. Yeah, It helps to give you definition. And, and so here I am at 43, and I've got people asking me for advice about marriage and about family. And I've got revelation on it, but practical application. It's like, yo, do y'all realize I want to disappear right now? I don't think people understand. You know, people ask me, how do you feel about the show and the book and you work at Lakewood. Was this your dream? No, none of that was my dream. None of it was my dream. My dream was if I make it out of this neighborhood and get a good job, get a wife that loves me. I never thought I'd be a father. I never thought I'd have, you know, a wife. So the fact that I'm living things that I have no template for, it's very terrifying. Every day I wake up and there are many days that I want to run away. Yeah. I wish I could be anonymous sometimes, bro. I wish I could go to a town where nobody knew me and be anonymous, go fishing in a creek, you know, or in a little pond and preach at a small church with mm. no internet, no blogs and just love on people. Mm. I know that's not my calling. I believe I'm called to reach the world. I believe I'm somebody that's supposed to cry out and, and build bridges. But I sure do wish I could run and hide some days. Mm. Dave Chappelle did that. Yeah, in Ohio. In Ohio, man. Small Come town, on, man. Town. That's it, you know. <laughs> and then when he got healthy and whole and healed, mm. he came back. Now he's got yeah. two amazing – I haven't seen him yet. They're great, yeah. But I wanna, I'll definitely want to check him out. But yeah. the same creativity that it takes to write a song, it takes to write a sermon. But you can't, you can't sing a song you haven't lived. You can't write a sermon that you haven't lived. You got to experience it. You got to experience it. If Before you have to be authentic, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if you haven't gone through pain, 
if you haven't gone through process and trial, then you should probably sit down somewhere because people don't need to hear, I'm perfect, why aren't you? Right. I don't need that. I need to know that you were broken. Show me where you failed. Show me your scars. You know, that's what the book was about. I am number eight. You know, King David, he wasn't a king all his life. He was the eighth son of a man who didn't even see his value. Mm. When the prophet came to look for a king, he wasn't even invited in the house. Seven sons were invited, and the prophet said, none of these are the ones that you have any more kids. He was like, well, I got another one. He's out in the field. No way. First Samuel 16, bro. And so Samuel calls for David, and he comes in, and he's anointed king as a teenager. And all of his brothers despised him. There's a lot of backstory to, to the reasons why. His father didn't see him, couldn't speak life to him. No one knew what he carried. <laughs> he was invisible and hidden in plain sight. I'm sitting here learning about you when my my uh, buddy James, who you know handles all of the PR, uh, wonderful brother, he told me about your podcast. And I just did a brief, quick glance, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And just to see how God brought you, you know, from this place. Delaware, Ohio is not the hotbed. <laughs> it's the smallest of, town. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so for you to emerge yeah. from this small town and have such great influence is, is just what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Going from anonymous to necessary. From what's your name to we've been waiting on you. Mm-hmm. That's what the book is about. That you can be overlooked and undervalued, but you are not forgotten. Wow. God has not forgotten you. And... So I think, the, again, to, to go back, this is a long way around, but the greatest challenge in my life is reconciling the need for a father who's not coming. So how do you create that for yourself? I think that's where my faith came in. Mm. I think that's why it's, my faith is so important to me, the idea of a heavenly father, mm. that there's something eternal, that these few years that I have on this earth will not be the end of my impact. I I have a son now. I have a daughter. So the microphone becomes a baton. And one day I'll pass it to them and I'll sit down and they'll put me in the ground. And hopefully I will have lived well enough that I left something better than what uh, I had when I started. I had an amazing and still have an amazing mother. But I think the, the power of legacy is for a father to speak identity and to let his children know they have value and that they are protected at all times. And for me, um, I want my life to be defined by what I left in place for my kids and my grandkids. And I I, I really honestly believe that that hunger for a father will never leave. Mm. I don't think it'll ever be filled because that tender place gives gives me a heart for everybody else. Yeah. I understand tears. I understand people's longing. We're all broken somewhere and we're all looking to be filled or fulfilled somewhere. And that for me is uh, probably the thing that'll always be there. Do you have any father figures or mentors in your life that support you from time to time? Obviously, never. Oh yeah, I do. I do. I do. Um, Dr. James Mormon is a phenomenal pastor out of Detroit. A lot of nobody would necessarily know him, but the way he's lived his life, um, his willingness to be open about things he would, you know, lessons he's learned, things that have shaped him, the way he loves his family. Um, Strong man. Dr. A.R. Bernard, brilliant 
man, academic brain, amazing mm-hmm. theologian, but he's got a heart for people. He's connected, but he he's he's a type of man I want to be when I grow up. You know, mm-hmm. these are the type of men uh, that that I connect to. There are men who love their wives, love their children, and who are establishing a legacy. And that's who I want to be. And TV is great. I'm grateful for the show. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the book. But those things won't last forever. Mm-hmm. And when it when it's done, I can't let that be the defining moment of my manhood. Yeah. It can't be the only part of my legacy. Because if that's the case, now um, I'm allowing or yearning for the approval of people. Because the truth is, if the show, if people don't watch the show, the show won't be on the air. Right. Um, and so I don't want that to be the thing. Please like me. <laughs> I need to like me. <laughs> yeah. You know, because when this is over, I need to look myself in the mirror mm. and say, I've done what I was created to do. Is there anything you don't like about yourself? Uh, I need to lose weight and I need to have more discipline in my physical body. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny for a preacher to say you need God to save your soul. You need Jesus to save your soul and he can help you with anything and he can heal cancer and he walked on water. But you can't discipline yourself and you're a preacher to eat the right things. So I'm challenged in my own Mm -hmm. faith walk that gluttony is in that Bible too. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I think for me, I need ah, to it's change. Ohio life, man. It's yeah, man, it's habits. Midwest life. It's hard life. to change the habit. Come on, dude. It's corn on the dude, cob. It's I, biscuits. It's I could mashed eat all potatoes. Day. You know, and it's donuts. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> Any sugar, I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> Heat the donuts for 12 seconds. <laughs> Those Krispy Kreme off the top. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have said it. And not 2% low fat milk. The whole milk. Whole milk. Vitamin D. <laughs> pasteurized. Premium milk. <laughs> so, you know, when I oh, think man. about. What I need to do, uh, that's the final frontier for me, mm-hmm. dealing with diabetes. I was diagnosed with diabetes some years ago. I never took it seriously. Um, like half of Ohio is with right. the Midwest, I feel like. right. right? Yeah. All, of, all of Ohio has diabetes. <laughs> um, get your insulin pens out. Wave them in the air. Wave like you just don't care. <clears throat> but when I, um, when I think about that part of my legacy, because my father died of complications from diabetes. Really? Yes, that's what I didn't say. And so the sins of the father have come to visit the son. And do I really want my son yearning for a father figure who could have changed? Because diabetes, I remember praying about it. I was like, Lord, heal me. He was like, no. He stopped eating that much. <laughs> right. I can't, can't pray for God to heal you from diabetes and eat a pork chop. It doesn't work. Like, God, I know you're able. You know, like, he's like, I am, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to over, I'm not going to overturn your will. Yeah. You need to change. Diabetes was an invitation to discipline. So now I've got trainers mm-hmm. and now I've got somebody helping me on the nutrition side and I'm eating more kale and red peppers and garlic and sure. gluten-free GMO bars with whatever. <laughs> Dairy-free. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're even laughing because they just, <laughs> it's like gluten-free in my house. And well, I'm she's just, a vegan. Are you? Well, bless your heart. <laughs> ah, so nice, Christine. Anyway, so, and then my wife said, you need to eat turkey bacon. I was like, that's a lie. That doesn't even make sense. Is, is it turkey? Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. 
Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Turkey or is it bacon? Did they put bacon sauce on the turkey meat? Just give me real bacon. But, yeah, man. So, so how long have you been working on this health crusade? Oh, <laughs> years. Like seriously working on it. Oh, uh, the just, last few months. Okay, so yeah, it's like been recent. In, like when I open the refrigerator, there's alkalized water okay. and there's supplements and, uh-huh. you know, all of that. So okay. that's only been the last couple months. And I'm down like 20, oh, that's good. 22 pounds. That's a great start. It's a great start what's, for me. What's the goal? And, the by, goal, when, and by when? I want to get down to about 240. By when? By the time I die. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I want to. I would say, honestly, like six months. Six months. We're, I want to get down. How, many, how, how much is that? No, this is, <laughs> it'll be a year. Okay. I think it'll be a year, realistically. So what I is it? Healthy. What is the day today? May seventh, eighth. Okay. So, so I'll come May back 8th. in a year. I'm gonna get your info and check in on you. All right, five eight and May eighth, two forty. If you're not there by, if you're not that by then, what's at stake for you? If I'm not there by then, I'll come back here on the Greatness podcast, and I will donate. Um, I'll donate ten thousand uh-huh. dollars to the charity of your choice. Ten thousand. Ten thousand is 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 that enough for you to really twenty thousand? Okay. Twenty five. That's it. You sure? Twenty five. Is, is that enough? Twenty five thousand to the. To the, I already know where it's going. Okay, twenty five thousand. If I'm not at two forty, a year from 240, now, two forty, not two forty one, not two forty <laughs> and a half, two forty, two four zero, two four zero. It's got to have a two four and a twenty five grand, twenty five grand to donation. Yes, All and right. if I make it to two forty, I will give twenty five grand <laughs> to myself. There you go. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, you sure? All right. Oh, man, we just shook hands. All right, it's in. It's in stone. The publicist sees it. Everyone watching sees it. May 8th. I love that, man. Um, what do you think is available for you when you will reach that? I think I'll get to meet the rest of me. I think that this uh, fat suit has hindered my ability to see myself as valuable. I know it's hindered my ability to love my wife properly because uh, there's a scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And people assume that Jesus was talking only about the people outside of your home. But my wife is my closest neighbor. And if I abuse and misuse my body, then if I'm not loving me, it's not possible for me to fully love her. And so to love the person closest to you starts with me. But I never saw myself as worthy of love. I never saw myself as attractive. I never saw myself as someone worthy of investment. 
I can't tell you why. Well, I your just father's never there. I mean, exactly. the story that a kid would say probably right. is, well, my dad and was of never course, there. Right, and my mom, she's always telling me how amazing I am. And I'm like, of course a mom's going to do that. Sure. You know, but I think that there are areas of, I think, learning, revelation. Um, and the, the truth is I think my influence will increase because people are, are very cosmetic. And if you have a particular, you know, look, they listen a little better. Mm-hmm. But if you look like Jabba the Hutt, then they're going to probably tune you out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think for me, there's a lot at stake. But, but people don't tune you out. That's also could be like tempting for you to be like, well, look how accepting I am. I've got right. 8,000 people here. I'm connecting the people in a certain way. So they are listening to me the way I am. Why change? And, and, I am getting results. Why change? And and the reason why I should change is because this is really not who I want to be. Mm. I'm not happy with this. Mm. And I tell my wife that all the time. And she's like, well, no one can change it but you. That's it. So, man, I appreciate this uh, conversation to be able to just dialogue with a brother about some of the things that I've been battling through. Uh, because it's important for people to see humanity mm-hmm. and divinity. You know, this whole, the show, the book of John Gray, it's, it's not about, look at this great preacher guy. It's about looking at normal people who believe in something supernatural and we're super normal and it's the intersection of faith and humanity, you know? And, and I think that's why it's been able to resonate with audiences and I hope it continues to, but no, it has been. I watched the, I watched the first couple episodes a few weeks ago and it was, they're great, man. Yeah. Thank you, bro. This, this next one I'm a little nervous about because I talk about uh, dealing with abuse when mm. I was four years old, and that's when my father left. Emotional, sexual? Sexual. Yeah. And a part of that anger was, if you had been there, these men wouldn't have done that to me. Mm. And so I deal with that in yeah. this next episode. So it's like, you know, because Oprah gets you to do stuff you would never normally do. <laughs> so just being on the network kind of opened me up to the to, to the reality that, you know what, maybe there are other people that need to deal with some stuff that happened when they were little, then maybe this is an avenue. There's a lot of people. I mean, I was, you know, we're more in common than you think. I was sexually abused by a man that I didn't know when I was five by the babysitter's son. And I, it took me 25 years to actually start talking about it. I opened up about four years ago about it for the first time. And I was so driven to prove people wrong and to protect myself constantly. That's why I got into sports. That's why I was very aggressive when I felt like someone was attacking me. Um, and I was always driven to achieve, to prove people wrong, to make myself better than them. And I always needed to be right. You know, I needed to win and I needed to be right to feel like I had worthiness. And I, uh, I opened up about this on my podcast three years ago about being sexually abused. I started telling my friends and family, but then I'm, more and more people said, you should really talk about this on your podcast. And I was like against it. I was like, no way. Do I want the world to know this about me. Mm-hmm. But it was the most powerful episode I've ever done in terms of the results and the impact it made. The hundreds of emails from men and women who opened up and all the men saying, you know, I've had this secret my whole life. My wife doesn't even know. And you just gave permission for me to start the healing process. Yes. So I think this is probably going to be one of the most important things you do do. One in six men have been sexually abused. I did not know that. One in six. One in six dot org. It's got all the information and the research behind it. And there's not a platform for men specifically, masculine men, to talk about this. 
And that's why I think it's really important that you have this platform that you're able to share openly and vulnerably because it's going to serve a lot of men who didn't even know that they're even allowed to talk about it. Exactly. Or how the process hit or, you know, what's available on the other side. Yeah, what are the do. resources? Because how, does, how yeah. do you process that at four years old and five years yeah. old? You don't. Because it, mine was a non-family member too. Yeah. You know, just you think about that and then – you know, again, the fear of being a father mm-hmm. creeps up because my a son is my age. And a daughter. Yes. Oh. And so now my wife's like, why are you so – because I'm really overprotective. And it's because of what I walk through. And I don't want to live my life in fear, you know. And so we deal with that uh, on the show. It's deep. My wife said, I didn't even know that, some things that mm-hmm. came out. And I didn't realize I hadn't told her. But yeah. the truth is – it's hard to unearth and unpack that stuff. It's really hard. Very, it's a very vulnerable place. Yeah, you don't know where to start. You don't know who to start with. Yeah. What do you think? Where do you think you'd be today if you had the greatest father in the world who was super healthy and always there for you? Uh, you, you know, achieved what you wanted in college. You finished. You were, you know, had all the things you wanted growing up. You weren't sexually abused. Mm-hmm. You had all this support and love. Where would you be right now at your age? I would be a very successful lawyer with a trophy wife Mm -hmm. and empty kids because I would have determined that my value was based in things. Every deficit, every place of failure, every empty chair made me who I am right now. Everything that I am is because of everything that was not. All of the empty places have given me the empathy, the compassion, and the grace to be able to connect to people from different backgrounds and walks of life and find common ground and value. I absolutely believe that had I pursued my original vision for my life, away from the calling that God placed on my life. I'd still be alive, mm-hmm. but I'd be uh, far less empathetic, material-driven, and I certainly um, would not have had the same level of impact. Yeah, I think brokenness is the prerequisite <laughs> to greatness. Mm. I think we're supposed to give three truths. I, I I slipped up and gave out one. No, that's all right. I'll come back to it. All right. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's but I just great. I yeah. really believe that the life as currently lived is exactly what I needed to experience mm-hmm. to have it. Because I don't know how my life will be defined. Will it be defined by one moment? Or will it be defined by lo- the longevity of, you know, a sustained level Mm -hmm. of doing good things over a long period of time. I don't know how that's going to, you know, shake out. But if my life is defined by one moment, let it be that I was selfless in that moment and that I was sacrificial in that moment and that I extended grace in that moment. Mm. Not that I made a ton of money and I'm hiding behind, you know, my accolades as an indicator of my inner value. I know right now, if nothing else happens, that I am loved, I am valued, and I have contributed to the betterment of other human beings. Yeah. I know that. Mm. I don't want to die right now 
because I want to raise my kids and walk my daughter down the aisle. But if I did, I would die knowing that with the little bit of resource and the natural gifts God gave me, I did my best to maximize them mm. so other people could be blessed. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of a lot of people at your church and just off the street, I'm assuming, ask you a lot of questions. They come to you for advice. They want feedback. They want support on their, their challenge in their life, right? Mm-hmm. What is the question you wish all these people would be asking you? Is there one question that you think that would be the best for them as opposed to all these like needs they have, but they mm-hmm. should be really thinking about something else? If so, what would that be? Mm, that's good. Let me get some water yeah. on this. Can I get that. some water? Let me think Lubricating, you know? <laughs> that's premium alkalized water there. Is this vegan water, Christine? Is <laughs> <laughs> this GMO gluten-free? Um it's a question they should be asking. I think the first question that they should be asking is, am I loved? I think that's the foundational question. Uh, when you come to the revelation that who you are as you are is okay, mm. that you are loved, it changes the dynamic. Because a lot of religious thought is based around, you are broken, you need to be fixed. As opposed to, You are loved, and there are things you need to know so that you can unlock the potential of who you are. That's a different mindset because one is rooted in brokenness, which leads to shame, which leads to guilt, which leads to the reminders of all the things of yourself that you're not proud of. But the other one says, I start at love. I start at I'm accepted. I start at I am approved. I I start at I am accepted in the beloved. As scripture says. And so I start from a position of I am right now loved as I am. And I think people need to ask that question first. Am I loved? Once they get the revelation that, yes, you are loved, then it says, oh, I can take the pressure off of trying to perform. Oh, I can take the pressure off of trying to figure out where I'm going next. Because I, in, in again, we're talking about in Christian thought for people who come to me as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um and and I'm I'm localizing it to that to the faith community because there may be those who don't subscribe to faith and that's okay, but for those who come to me, my first thing is the first question you need to ask is, "Am I loved?" And then once you realize that you are, everything else changes. Once you know you're loved by an eternal God that created you, who sacrificed for you to live an abundant life. Here's what happens. Your value increases. Your self-awareness increases. Your strength to make the tough decisions increases. Mm -hmm. So you won't stay in a broken relationship forever because you don't need to. I don't have to stay this big to prove something or to nurse my addictions or my broken areas. I don't need to. I'm loved. And does it happen overnight? No. Mm -hmm. But it is the question that I even have to wrestle with. Because I told you, I struggle with daddy issues. Am I accepted? Am I approved? Am I loved? That's where I struggle. So I medicate that pain through food. Mm-hmm. I medicate that pain. Feels good, man. It does. I eat donuts all day. Do- That's the second Krispy donut Kreme, reference, man. bro. <laughs> you have any vegan gluten-free donuts around here? We got some vegan bars or something. Come on, man. I, I'll take one. But I, th- I think that's the first question. Yeah, and then yeah. the second one is, what's my purpose? Mm. What am I here for? There's so many people struggling with what life is. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? 
there are people who get a degree in a certain field and then they end up not wanting to work in that field. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know what the percentages are, but so many people change their major midstream. Why? Because you're still developing. Mm -hmm. People are searching for purpose at this point because we realize that the accumulation of things doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What's your purpose? My purpose is to be a bridge, to let people know that they are loved by God, that what Jesus did is not localized to a single group of individuals who think they have the market on faith and religion, but that God loved the world that he gave his son. And Mm -hmm. this is the life that I've chosen to live, to extend grace to every human being. Every human being has equal value. Every human being has the right to self-determination. Every human being has autonomy. And in that, you love, you celebrate, you cover, you extend grace, you forgive, you fight for those who can't fight for themselves. And I think my purpose is not talking about it, it's living it. Yeah. And I've had to learn how to do that. I've had to learn how to connect uh, with those who may not see life through my lens. I've had to learn how to see other perspectives. That's what life is. Hmm. And I've learned how much God loves other people by looking at how much love he's extended to me. Cause I know me and I know the areas where I failed. Yeah. And in myself, in my own humanity, I don't deserve to hold a microphone, uh, but I've been gifted. And I humbly say that I've been gifted to share that. And it keeps you humble. It keeps you real low to the ground. Sure. You can always tell somebody who's close to God by the way they treat people they don't think they need. When you're around somebody who can talk down to people and think they're better than people and they say they're an individual of faith, you know that they haven't matured. You know that it's a, it's a lie. Because when you've encountered God, you love everybody. You have grace for everybody because you know what he had grace for you in. Mm. And I think that for me is my purpose, that you are loved, you are accepted, and that what Jesus did finished it. And But also make it fun. Life doesn't have yeah, to yeah. be deep, man. I like to laugh. And, 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 That's uh, why you're so effective on stage and when you preach because you're – you're bringing humor. You're bringing, you know, not just like this serious darkness all the time. It's like you have to be a certain <laughs> way. It's like we can have fun and play and be joyful and expressive because that's what life's all about. That's what life's all about. And it brings a lightheartedness to things. Obviously, there's moments for being serious and being, you know, in tune to the moment. But I think we're here to play. You know, I believe that we're here to play and have fun and be Absolutely. childlike until we're dead. Yeah. And express that childlike, you know, experience. That's what brings creativity, joy, passion. Uh, you know, it's what brings people together, I think. so. I love that. I'm glad you're doing it, man. A uh, few, few final questions for you. Mm-hmm. One is, what are you most grateful for in your life recently? Hmm. Uh, it's going to sound really cheesy and religious, but I am I'm grateful for the revelation that the validation I need doesn't exist outside my home. I'm grateful for my family. Here's why I was in Cape Town, South Africa a week and a half ago. Mm. I'm sitting looking at whales in the ocean from my balcony. 
very sweet. And it was unbelievable. I'm looking at Lion's Head Mountain. Table Mountain is behind me. The Twelve Apostle Peaks are behind me. The most beautiful natural scenery I've ever seen. And I was as lonely as I've ever been in my life. Week and a half ago. Week and a half ago. Because my wife was in L.A. Mm -hmm. and my children were in Texas. And I said, I don't want to experience these things without my family anymore. This is a stunning revelation for me because I was 37 when I got married. So I know how to be alone. Yeah. I didn't have success in relationships. Relationships were my blind spot. And so I didn't, I don't know how to stay. I know how to leave. Mm -hmm. And so 400,000 miles I flew last year, 350 the year before while still being full time at Lakewood. Wow, your machine. I, I guess, or, I'm, or, or I was running from something. Mm. And so then I realized I want to be home. Now I'm preaching at one of the biggest conferences in the world, and it's, it was a wonderful experience. But it was there was a part of it that was hollow because the people that mattered the most weren't there. Yeah, And that's when I knew I was growing up because in the early parts of my marriage, I would get on a plane and wouldn't think twice didn't care, didn't know that it had an emotional impact on my wife that I would leave. Didn't know that sometimes she'd be afraid to be in the house by herself. Mm. Then we had our son about a year and four months into the marriage. And so now I'm traveling full time and she's in this big old house. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow the little baby and she's nervous because people have been breaking in around the neighborhood and I'm like you're going to be fine that's very dismissive of her emotions mm-hmm. and of a baby so over time now what didn't matter now absolutely matters and so I told my wife I'll never be gone that long again without y'all that's a huge awakening for a man that mm. lived isolated and emotionally disconnected and I think a part of me wanted to keep distance uh, from my wife and kids just in case I failed just in case I fail uh, just in case I mess up like my dad did don't get too close to me mm-hmm. so that way it won't be as hard painful yeah, yeah. yeah. now it's like y'all get close to me because <laughs> right. I am going to fail but we're going to okay. stay together yeah that's cool you know, so that 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 to me has been the biggest thing that my wow. family means more to me than opportunity. Wow. Um, the uh, the book is called I Am Number Eight. I Am Number Eight. You can get it anywhere online, Barnes and Noble, yes. all that good stuff, right? Yeah, man. And, and I, your, what's your website? Uh, JohnGrayWorld.com. JohnGrayWorld.com. G R A Y, yeah. correct? 
Um, and you got all your books and everything there, I'm assuming, as well, right? This is my first book. First one. First of many to come. Thank you. Yeah. I, I received that one, buddy. Yeah, man. And I've got other resources of me preaching on there. Of course. I think links to music, because I sing, too. You're so, amazing. This guy's unbelievable. If you want to hear him sing Whitney Houston sometime. Bro, I'm finishing my record up tomorrow. Shut my up. My new record. Here in L.A.? Yeah. Dude, I got to hear it. Oh, I'm going to give you a pre-release copy. Bro. I would have been. All right. I'm, I'm not lying. I've seen a lot of speakers. You're one of the, the best entertainers that can land a message who is funny and can sing and can dance and do it all. Thank you, bro. And rap and poems and, you know, like <laughs> preach. I was like just blown away, man. I'm, I'm really. Thank you, man. I was like, I got to get you on sometime. So I'm glad we got you on now. Um, imagine for 60 seconds that this microphone is connected to every person in the world. Mm. And you've got 60 seconds. They all put on headphones and there's only one direct line from them and it's to you and you've got 60 seconds to share a message that they will all hear right now it'll be translated in their language they'll understand it if they're two years old they're a baby whatever they're all going to understand what you say and you'll only get the opportunity to say it to them once what would you say your life is not accidental you were created on purpose with purpose every painful place Every broken moment, every closed door, every opportunity that looks like it missed, every person that ever hurt, abused, misused you, were actually allowed into your space to give you a heart of compassion, love, humility, and grace for those around you. You have a purpose greater than your pain, and you have a future greater than your past. God created you in love. And you are loved by he who made you and your life and your legacy will outlast your years on this earth. Drop the mic. I like it. <laughs> there it is. I would ask your three truths, but I think you covered a lot of the good stuff in there. Uh, so uh, before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, John, for your incredible openness, your love, all that you give to the world, your ability to be aware of everything that you get to work on. And not act like you're holier than thou with everyone. And your commitment to constantly making an impact on the Thank world, you. but also on the most important people, which is yourself and your family. So I think Thank you're you, an incredible friend. example of how we should all be living. Thank you for that, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. And uh, one year from today. I'm going to hold you one to year. it. One year. I think okay. that's, that's one of the missing elements, right? One, one year. Krispy Kreme uh, party on me. <laughs> I will have a box of Krispy Kreme with you. After the weigh-in. After the After weigh-in. Weigh <laughs> That'll be your one cheat. 239.9. Final question. Uh, and again, make sure you guys watch uh, the show on, on Oprah and OWN, um, which depending on when this comes out, you'll be able to watch the replays on online or you'll be able to search for it. Um, get the book, johngrayworld.com as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the final question is, what is your definition of greatness? Mm. My definition of greatness is extending yourself to others so that they can become everything they were created to be. My greatness won't be defined by my achievements, but by the achievements of those who came into contact with me. John Gray. Ohio love, baby. Ohio love. <laughs> Ohio love. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Thanks, man. <laughs> There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this one with Pastor John Gray. And 
the face of the Oprah Winfrey Network's new show, The Book of John Gray. Make sure to go watch the show. It's pretty powerful. I've watched a few of them so far. Really love what he's up to. And check out his new book, I Am Number Eight. So excited about what he's up to. Make sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter and all those places online. Tag me on Instagram, at Lewis Howes. Share this message out over there on Twitter and Facebook. It's lewishouse.com slash 488. Again, lewishouse.com slash 488. Share it out with your friends if you felt this would inspire them or give them some lessons or teachings to help them unlock their inner greatness. You're going to get a 20% off discount on your underwear. You'll be donating to an amazing cause. Go there right now. I'm telling you they're the best pair of underwear I've ever had. Meundies.com slash greatness now. I love you guys so much. We are on a mission to impact and inspire 100 million people, to show them how to live a fuller life doing what they love, making a full-time income, and making an impact on the people around them. And you're a part of this process. It's all started with one episode about four and a half years ago. We're almost getting close to 500 episodes, guys. I can't even believe it, how far we've come together and where we're heading together. Make sure to continue to share these out with your friends if you find them helpful and inspiring in any way, as that's what continues to build the movement. Over 2 million downloads a month right now. It continues to grow all because of you. We've got some big people coming up, big topics. So pumped, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, well, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. No! No one steals my Crunch Berries. I think you mean my Crunch Berries. Choose your own Crunch Venture with Captain Crunch. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue 
panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 